For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, and filling in for FL Montreal's Josh Miller this evening is Michael Newton. Welcome back, Michael. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. So this evening, we have a bit of a theme show. We have two entrepreneurs in the program tonight. We do that once in a while, and we'll be talking about um, the health and wellness industry. Correct. Um, and at the end, Natalie Perkart is going to talk about uh, similar situations, but within our own organization. So the the idea, I guess, tonight was to uh, to look at where uh, life journeys have, have taken us and how that affects the entrepreneurial side of, of the businesses that we're running. Um, there's no doubt that the effects of mental illness uh, has been, or mental wellness, I guess, uh, has its far-reaching effects. The number of days lost on an annual basis to mental illness, as well as the cost to healthcare itself, are astronomical. And we're starting to really see an effect within the workplace. So I think tonight uh, we kind of figured we would go and try and put a, a positive spin on what sometimes can be a very, very challenging situation. So we're going to speak to two entrepreneurs in this field, Claire Rosenberg of Caregiver Crosswalk and Stuart Webster of Uplifted Life. And uh, they're going to talk about uh, their industries and, and also how to maintain um, a sort of a, a healthy dynamic within their companies as well. So yep. that's all on the program. And, and Natalie, our HR specialist later in the program, uh, Natalie Puckhart, will join us on goal setting. So also key to sort of keeping everyone happy in the workplace. Uh, but first, Mike, some news and notes, uh, entrepreneurial-wise. And uh, let's begin with this. Three things you can do to address mental health in your workplace. This is an interesting one from Inc.com on the very subject we're delving into tonight. Yeah, so I mean, there's, uh, there's. I think you have to find what works in your own workplaces and what the scenario is. But uh, you know, the 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 type of environments that we live in uh, are no doubt uh, very high paced, and we need to find ways to keep our employees. Uh, you know, whether it's for the the benefit of society or even for the wellness of our own businesses, is we have to find uh, that environment. So this uh, article uh, talks about three uh, examples. Uh, one is lead by example. Two, reach out to struggling team members. And three, uh, the third one would be, let me get this up here, bring mental health to the forefront. Yeah. I, I certainly I believe in all of that. I mean, if you look at uh, if you look at our organization, um, you know everybody has their challenges. Uh, I've had uh, even personally had uh, depressive and, and anxiety issues a large part of my life, and we we were talking about this actually about five minutes ago before we started, and the effects of of raising that and leading by example and expressing that that does exist and coming forward. And you know, Natalie will even uh, attest to the fact that the the conversation subsequent. Um, with employees after bringing in mental wellness uh, experts to the to the business is a lot easier once upper management uh, first of all admits that it exists which is the first struggle and anybody who does have those problems can actually come forward and not be ashamed you know the stigma associated with this is 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 massive and we'll talk about this later but uh, at this point i mean if you're a, a medium-sized business or larger even a small business you should have some kind of mental health plan or policy right yeah i, I mean the first the first is is the awareness and, and the open culture to allow people to come forward. There's no doubt that uh, most people were not brought up, and certainly in the, the 50, 60-year-olds, were not brought up in an openness with our, with, uh, with our families to talk about mental wellness issues. So uh, it's very hard to accept uh, that you know, your employees are dealing with things as opposed to using it for a good excuse to take a day off. And I think you have to, you have to look at your policies, you have to look at the people around you, and you have to provide a, a warm enough environment for people to, to come forward and, and deal with things. 
This uh, related story from Fast Company, also on mental health in the workplace, uh, the top three causes of workplace stress. Uh, here are the three, Michael, if you have uh, some thoughts on this. Uh, one is meeting deadlines. Two is growth potential. And three is interacting with the public. So um, a couple of uh, internal pressures and one external. Well, first of all, I have an opinion on everything, so I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of uh, you know the the the, uh, the, uh, the deadlines and meeting expectations and where my career is going uh, is definitely again. I think part of that is a generational. Uh, the expectation of where my career should go was very different when I started than when the young people start today. Uh, there's an expectation that the organization will help you build that. There's an expectation that you will create either through compensation or through ongoing conversation uh, the ability to see where you stand and what to do. Uh, unfortunately, I think when I started, it was uh, it is what it is, and you'll figure it out as you go along. Another article that I want to bring up from Inc.com is how to keep millennials in particular, uh, motivated and, and how to, to keep your best employees motivated and productive. What are your thoughts on, on that? Oh boy, we don't have enough time to go through this conversation. <laughs> uh, the millennial discussion is, is a, 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 I think a double-edged sword uh, when I get into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, inevitable um, to see many conversations revolved around trying to create a workplace that is uh, uh, open enough for everybody, and whether that's flex time, whether that's the ability to work remotely, uh, whether it's dress for your day, there's a whole bunch of things out there that are definitely generational, uh, driven by millennials, and the reality is the millennials make up the majority of, certainly in a professional office space, the majority of uh, the the management uh, type positions. So it, it, I think it's a challenge for older employers to understand what drives them and what motivates them, and, and I would say that one of the issues that, that has to be addressed and, and, then, and um, that will help uh, the motivation side is the openness from upper management, the openness from the owners, the openness from the 50 and 60 year olds to understand that it's not business as usual the way they were brought up. Uh, so on the list from Inc.com here, lack of preparation, this is to, in terms of uh, how to, how to uh, avoid uh, demotivated employees, uh, need more equity, camaraderie. Uh, and uh, recognition and purpose also. Uh, very important for millennials, I would add, in, there, in that also is to have a sense of a social mission. 100%. I think purpose, funny enough, out of all of those, I would say purpose probably carries the biggest long-term motivator. Uh, the rest you can fix along the way. So you can work on uh, being on time. You can work on cutting short deadlines. But I think it, the, the millennial group, more than anybody else, uh, when provided with a purpose, uh, can some of, be some of the most motivated and loyal uh, workers. Uh, without a purpose, they cannot just go through the grind like uh, the previous generations. Let's talk about uh, my entrepreneur question of the week here. I usually throw one question out at Josh, and uh, I figured, Michael, since you're here, and because last time we spoke, uh, we were talking a bit about uh, uh, networking and doing events and uh, why I'm lagging there. Uh, Let's go there a little bit and and talk about uh, my question for you is, does does every entrepreneur need to network and and, uh, and sort of go to these cocktails and events and all that? Or, you know, um, can you go a bit more old school, so to speak? And I always thought that just sort of bearing your head down and doing good work and uh, and just getting the job done would be would be enough. Um, but, uh, but over the years, you've told me to get out there a bit more. 
Well, I think you have to look at what your personality brings to the table. If you're uncomfortable, awkward, and socially inept, <laughs> networking is the, the traditional networking sense is probably not the best way to go. Um, but I think what you have to define is is what is networking to you, and where do you spend your best time? For some people, it is at cocktails with a drink in their hand, talking about uh, everything from the weather to uh, the discussion of the millennials in the workforce. Uh, other people can network in various different ways, and, and I think you need to address what works for you. So I would say to you, do you need to network? 100%. How you network, uh, play to your strengths. You can't force. Plus, you know, it's, it, you need, if you're an organization with multiple, uh, multiple people doing networking, you don't want them all at the same event anyways. So you've got to find the right way to work. You know, funny enough, Josh and I have been together for 30 years. We do not network anywhere close to the same way. We have very different styles, very different approaches. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little more, shockingly to most people, but I'm a little more of an introvert. Uh, Josh likes to be out and, and do those things, and he does a great job based on that. It's not my, uh, you know, it's not my cup of tea, if you will. So it, it's not mine either. So when I see Josh doing all these events and everything, you know, he's uh, he's a lot less nervous than I am public speaking, um, even though I'm on the radio and stuff. But what's, what's your advice for those who just don't like public speaking? So I'm going to go against the millennial concept you said a minute ago, which says be prepared. Uh, I do hmm. some of my best public speaking when I'm not prepared because I spend most of my time in my own head. And if I spend uh, preview and research and redoing, I mean, obviously, you've got to know what you're talking about before you go in. But to, to reread uh, uh, the presentation five times over, I only make myself more nervous. So again, you've got to figure what works for you. Some people can talk off the cuff. Some people have a wealth of information. Uh, know your audience. Know who you're dealing with. Because at the end of the day, in order for you to make an impact, you have to be pretty much doing what comes naturally to you. Otherwise, you're going to lose an audience. And if you've sat through anything on a public speaking where the where the speaker has uh, lost the audience, uh, it's it's not a pretty sight. Okay, Michael Newton in tonight for Josh Miller, and we'll begin today's entrepreneur with our profiles on this healthcare special. Claire Rosenberg of Caregiver Crosswalk and Stuart Webster of Uplifted Life. They are next on uh, on CJD eight hundred. Claire, sorry, Claire Webster. Claire Webster. Did I get that backwards? Sorry, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Claire and Stuart are up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back. This is today's entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Michael Newton, in for Josh Miller this evening. And let's welcome our guests, uh, Claire. I mentioned, I said Rosenberg. That's your, your maiden name. Your married, uh, your married name is Claire Webster. So let's introduce you as that, Claire Webster, and your husband, Stuart Webster. Uh, two companies, Caregiver Crosswalk and Uplifted Life, respectively. Guys, welcome to CJD. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Great to be here. Uh, let's start with Claire. Claire, uh, tell me about Caregiver Crosswalk. So Caregiver Crosswalk is a consulting firm, uh, me. I'm a certified Alzheimer care consultant, and I help families navigate the journey of dementia through education and support. Um, basically, it started as a result of my own journey. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in September of 2006, and I was not provided any information whatsoever from the, um, the medical community. I spent the next five years what I, in what I call a cyclone of caregiving, trying to manage. Um, I had three young children at the time. Thank God, a, a supportive husband. Um, but really just uh, going into this, this caring for my mom. My dad had passed away the year before going in, into this 
um, field as a caregiver without any experience whatsoever. And in inevitably, I suffered a very severe nervous breakdown in 2011. Uh, part of my recovery was I decided to start doing some volunteering in this field. And the more volunteering that I did was I was meeting individuals like myself who had all had similar situations where they too were receiving diagnosis of this disease without any prescription of care, as I like to say it. So I devoted a, a few years in the f volunteer, and then I started realizing that there was nobody like myself helping families navigate. There are not-for-profit organizations assisting families, but just as a, from a one-to-one -one consulting, there, wasn't, uh, there didn't seem to be anybody like myself doing it. So I saw an opportunity to become a consultant. I did a certification in Washington, D.C., and essentially now what I do is I help uh, families on a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, you know, from A to Z, what the disease is, how it progresses, how to get access in the community, whether it's for-profit or not-for-profit resources. I give conferences and, and to financial advisors. I give corporate wellness seminars. Uh, but my most important uh, project is I'm working with the Faculty of Medicine at McGill University, and we have developed a program called Dementia Education Workshops for Family Caregivers. So I work with some of the top healthcare professionals in our province, a uh, very multidisciplinary approach, and uh, it's it's an amazing, amazing program. So that's my greatest success to date with McGill. Great. Thank you, Claire Webster. Your husband is here, uh, Stuart Webster. Stuart, you're a returning champion on today's Entrepreneur. You're here, I believe, in year one for your landscaping right. business. Yeah. Um, tell me about Uplifted Life. Yeah, so that's a new business. Um, we deal with uh, personal and corporate uh, transformation. Um, we help um, individuals and corporations, leadership within the um, corporation to be specific, um, navigate sort of this um, inner contraction and heaviness that they're feeling all the time, whether it's in a, in a, in a business undergoing change and um, trying to um, get the individuals within that organization to... to um, lighten up and manage their own inner state so that they can perform at their optimal level. And we do that on the individual level as well. Um, and my journey, well, similar to my wife's, we were going through uh, quite a heavy time in the, in the 2000s raising uh, kids. And Claire was um, going through her journey with her mother, which was, which was very heavy for her and very for heavy for us as a family. I was navigating my own, um, my own journey with um, my own family issues, growing a, a business, raising three kids, um, and everything that comes along with that. And um, in 2010, I had actually my best year ever. I had a wonderful wife, um, lovely kids. And I got to the end of that year, and I had lots of money in the bank account, and I just felt very heavy, very lost. Um, and uh, just day-to-day, -day didn't feel motivated, didn't feel like I had any purpose or meaning, and, um, and, and struggled with it greatly. And then in 2011, um, kind of like Claire's breakdown, I had also a traumatic event in my life, and was kind of the paddles to the chest and I just said uh, I don't want to I don't want to live my life this way anymore I love my life but I'm just not living it to 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 the best version of myself and um and so I went on this uh spiritual journey if you will or this journey of um personal growth and learning and I just do dove into every single book uh video um retreat uh, seminar anything I could do to learn more about myself um for some reason I just felt that, that was the way to help me get through it Along the way, I met, I met my now partner, um, Costa Stoinov, who's uh, my partner in Up, Uplifted Life. And uh, we uh, we had this immediate connection and he helped me navigate through a, a few things. 
and it it the impact on on me and on Claire and the ripple effect it had around me was was truly transformational and when I acquired these the skills and this knowledge I just felt that I needed to share it with others and so Costa and I um got together and and worked on creating uplifted life and uh now we spend our time um uplifting others and sharing this and um we're having a wonderful time and uh, really enjoy every minute of it it's it's a very interesting cuz uh, we ended up our 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 office ended up being uh, uplifted life's first first client that's uh, right yeah. we uh we brought Stuart and uh Costa to a retreat and you know, when you, when you try to think outside the box, you're never too sure where where it's going to go. So you go back to the point you made earlier, Dan, about trying to lead by example. So we decided to bring in uh, Uplifted Life. And in all honesty, I had no idea how it was going to go off. Uh, you know, you've got 40 uh, predominantly accountants uh, and in an environment where you're going to get a little touchy-feely on an emotional side and try and see where that's going to go. And... Um, I had so many positive comments afterwards and, you know, the head nodding during, as a matter of fact, a couple of people on the verge of, of tears uh, as they reflected on their own positions in life. So, you know, you've got to be able to, to, to think outside the box and there's an awful lot of good that comes from, uh, comes from these things. It's not, uh, it's not hocus pocus, right? And I think, Mm. uh, I think maybe if you would have asked uh, the previous generation, they would have said so, but it's not the world we're living in now. Both of your businesses coming from personal experiences, right? Uh, Claire, when did, when did you move from, from that, that very difficult period in your life to seeing a business opportunity? Um, it wasn't, it was in 2015, actually, we were actually, we were in Maine and, uh, I, at this point I had been, been probably volunteering about 14 to 15 hours a week. Uh, I was with an organization, a small grassroots organization in Montreal and, and what I was seeing was my the biggest part of my volunteer work was one-on-one connections. I was having numerous coffees and lunches with people. People would see me around and say, oh, can I speak to you? I've heard you've been going through this journey. And I just started Googling one day and started saying, like Googling Alzheimer care consultant, dementia care consultant, and nothing was popping up. And and I started realizing, wow, you know, maybe, maybe there is something there. Um, also at the time, you know, dementia was still, and, and still is today, a disease where there's still a lot of stigma. I also saw that there could potentially be a, an opportunity to give talks in the financial world because it's the it's the disease that probably has one of the most significant financial impacts on people's portfolios. So I was thinking, wow, I could also not only do one-to-one counseling, but I'm going to create a, like pr- corporate presentations and go into companies and teach financial advisors, you know, about this, you know, how to help people manage their portfolios. But every time I go in and I give a corporate talk people around the table are themselves going through this journey. I remember I, you, well, yeah. M- Mike, you welcomed me in your office. Um, I think it was in uh, 2000 and it was, that, it was 2015, yeah, right the, the November. Yep. And out of 18 people in the boardroom, more than half were going through this themselves. We're going to put a pin in this. We have to take a break. And Stuart, you're going to tell me about your personal experience as well. And we're going to get into HR and how to sort of spread this this idea among your employees. So that's all in the way in today's Entrepreneur. And Natalie Perkhart on HR, uh, specialist at FL, she'll talk about goal setting to make sure that uh, that everyone on board is, uh, is basically uh, on goal. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Michael Newton in for Josh Miller this evening. And Michael, we're talking with uh, Claire Webster and Stuart Webster. Uh, so Claire's business is called Caregiver Crosswalk. They focus more on healthcare providers and helping them, especially when it comes to Alzheimer's and dementia. Stuart Webster, uh, who who was on the show before, uh, talking in this in the first season, I believe, yeah, almost ten season, years yeah. ago, talking about his landscaping business. Uh, uh, by the same name. And now you have Uplifted Life, Stuart. Uh, first, tell me a, a little bit about your transition from this becoming sort of a personal journey and your introspection to it becoming a real business. And I'd also add, you know, the landscaping business is very seasonal. Uh, do you find that there's a seasonal aspect to this business as well, and, and particularly over the winter? And, and maybe uh, if you want to throw out some advice for entrepreneurs to get through those uh, tough winter months as well? Yeah. Um, no, so far we haven't found that there's a uh... There's a seasonality to the uplifted life business, but um, uh, yes, as you said, the landscape business was my first uh, sort of adventure into entrepreneurship, and it's been t- over 20 plus years and still a thriving business. And um, it was sort of my my learning ground, if you will. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, when I when I went through my personal journey, I started to look around me and realize that everyone around me is another human being and probably going through a lot of the, the things I was feeling. This sort of heaviness and unease and sort of just uh, feeling lost, even though they have a lot of great things happening around them. And um, so I just became passionate about wanting to share this with others. And my partner and I um, decided that probably the first thing we do is just test it because we wanted everything to be really simple, highly digestible. We wanted to be able to talk to a child about it, talk to a CEO of a company about it. So we came up with our sort of own way of delivering this content, and um, we threw it out on Facebook. We had like two followers. We just said, "Let's see what happens." And between April and January of about a year and a half ago, we we quickly went up to two hundred thousand followers. And we said, "Oh, there's obviously a resonance that's happening here," and that was really the impetus to say, "Let's let's start a company. Let's um, move this forward." And we started working with individuals. And then what happened is a lot of the individuals had sort of been there, done that, been a, become a success and found at the end of that, there was no you know pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of thing. And um, as we worked with them, they started to say, oh my gosh, you know, I can apply all of this with my leaders in my company. This is highly useful and essential to them. And so that's how we sort of moved into the, into the corporate world. So now we're doing both uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, there's no doubt that you know you, you you look at both of your situations and they both have a huge impact on the workplace. Um, you know whether you're uh, Claire in your case dealing with the caregivers' family, most of them falling within that sandwich generation, mm-hmm. having young children and and parents who need assistance, um, who are still working. Mm-hmm. I mean, in most cases, people don't have the luxury to take the time off to deal with parents. So uh, there's an effect in the workplace. There's an effect in terms of missed miss time at the office. There is an effect of concentration while you're there. Uh, there's medical appointments. There are so many things that are going mm-hmm. on that there's a huge, huge impact in, in, in the, the business world. Uh, and I think, Stuart, from your side as well, you've got the same idea. You're talking about this 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 empowerment or enlightenment that, that people are having. And you know, I think you see some of the biggest impact from people that have suffered that come out on the other side of it and recognize that that lead by example and that openness is there. So this is a huge, has huge impact in, in, in our workplaces. And I think we're only really starting to grasp uh, the magnitude of what this is. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't just say like any, you know, any corporation is just really a collection of individual humans within that organization. 
delivering a product or service for another to touch the life of another human being at the end of it. And when you realize as a business that if the collection of human beings is under stress and overwhelmed and contracted and in a survival state, um, they're not outputting very well for you. They're not being the most creative um, people they can be. They're not being the most innovative people they can be. They're not uh, problem solving effectively. And unfortunately, most businesses don't realize this. And what they do is they create environments that increase stress and give them more workload, thinking it's going to give them a greater output. Um, And it's actually the complete opposite. You need to complete a completely different state within your business. Definitely. I, I completely agree. I mean, Claire, we were talking before and, and you know, the effects of it gives you an idea of the, of the demographic thought process in, in yeah. all of this is my question to Claire was, well, I guess what you're doing uh, from a caregiver perspective doesn't have a big impact on, on, on men. It's mostly women who are, <laughs> who are caregivers. Yeah. Uh, and you very quickly corrected me and I took my foot out of my mouth. So maybe you <laughs> want to give a little bit of insight to the audience. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, un- unfortunately, uh, 65% of the people who get diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease are women. So you can just imagine that uh, I would say close to half of my clients are men. They're either the spouses or in in most cases, my clients are the sons and daughters of the people who've been diagnosed. So I work with the sandwich generation between the ages of 38 and 55. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a disease where it has a significant impact definitely on the workplace. The, as the disease progresses, the responsibilities of the core caregiver continue to grow. So people really need to be as educated as possible to understand what's coming next. You have to be very forward thinking. And, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to two cor- corporations who recently had me in their offices, a FedNav and Pomerlo, who decided that we were going to um, organize lunch and learns and, and, and empower their employees by educating them on this disease, understanding that there were many people in their offices who are going through this because it, it is having an impact on the sandwich generation. And, and as, a, as a society, people are living longer. Uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, there's like become one out of five, one out of six people will be diagnosed with dementia as time goes on. So, so you take you take the one out of five or six with dementia. You take the fact that many people are battling anxiety and depression in a very high paced world or the effects of social media on mm-hmm. their children uh, and the children are growing up much more anxious. So you've got a group in that 38 to 55 mm-hmm. range uh, who and probably at their peak work cycle, most efficient positions that they're in who are now being pulled at from various mm-hmm, directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we think that that doesn't have a financial effect on our businesses, then we're not really paying attention. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about HR in a moment. Uh, both Claire and Stuart, do you have any tips as far as uh, sort of basic HR practices go for entrepreneurs who may want to start these conversations? Yeah, we just say, you know, um, uh, <laughs> I like to think of, we always say that human resource department. Um, and I find that always funny because a resource is something that you actually deplete and it comes to an end. Um, so I like to think of employees as sources, not resources, like us, like the sun, just constantly giving off uh, energy. And um, when you realize that as a leader, if if you can't manage your own inner state and your own emotions to be one of calmness and openness and connectedness, and um, it's going to be very difficult to to create that within your team around you. Um, so we always say the first thing is you got to work on is yourself and when you can, um, develop those skills. So more and more, I think emotional intelligence is a, is a huge asset. Um, if I had to hire, I would spend a lot of my focus on their emotional intelligence. I mean, I want them to be able to do the hard, you know, hard skills, 
Um, but uh, I would spend much more time on their attitude and their and their emotional intelligence. I, th- I think one of the things I, that, we, that was huge in the emotional intelligence component is the higher up you go within an organization, the more that soft skill plays such a huge Absolutely. role in the environment that you're working in. And I'm telling you that the amount of, the amount of people that think they're self-aware and they're not is is stunning. You know, Claire? No, I, I would think that you know in, in, in today's world, um, it, you know, it's really important for for uh, corporations to take this social responsibility and provide as much support to employees as possible. Education is important. You know, you were mentioning before that you brought in specialists uh, discussing different types of mental illness. Um, you know, you can have healthcare professionals like myself come in and, and talk about you know uh, how you know caregiving. There's a lot of stress and burnout that people are going through, not necessarily only with dementia, but there's, you have caregivers caring for, pe- for, for for family members who have various illnesses. And stress and burnout is, is a very, very uh, true reality. And as much as uh, empl- employers could provide, you know, some, some support and education to employees, the, the more productive they will be in the workplace. More with Claire and Stewart in just a moment. And we'll also have Natalie Puckhart, HR specialist at FL, talking about goal setting. Some more uh, practical advice for entrepreneurs to start these conversations with your employees is next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Michael Newton, who's in for Josh Miller this evening, uh, Claire Webster and Stuart Webster of Caregiver Crosswalk and Uplifted Life are here. We'll have uh, their one piece of pieces of advice for today's Entrepreneur on the way. But first, we welcome back Natalie Pocart, HR Specialist at FL, uh, to talk about some goal-setting strategies. Welcome back, Natalie. Hi, Dan. Thanks for welcoming back. So let's start with uh, with goal setting, and we're talking about sort of how to implement, um, I guess, what we could describe as the mental health revolution in the workplace. So, could you offer some practical tips uh, to start? Maybe um, you know, what's a, what's one basic policy or initiative that a small or medium sized employer could uh, could deploy to help get these conversations going in the workplace? Um, well, what we have at FL is a health and wellness committee. So we do initialize uh, a lot of openness around the topic. Uh, we have invited some specialists over to talk uh, to the organization. We've had uh, Mike Newton actually speak, uh, our managing partner, and just hearing um, hearing it come from management and how open management is around the subject has encouraged uh, team members to come forward to talk about things and actually just come back and tell us we appreciate the fact that you are being uh, open and that management is open and that we feel like if ever anything should arise, we have an outlet uh, to express that. Uh, Other than that, you try to build around flexibility, um, telework options, uh, flex times options. All of these things are are with the work-life balance at mind. So uh, by giving that back, we're allowing people to, you know, feel like they have the space and the room uh, to deal with their 
personal life and their work life in an efficient way that is convenient to them. So, Mike, the first step is just maybe starting that committee, even if it's a three-person committee in a small business. It 100%. Helps. You've got to look at the fact that in today's world that the, that the mental wellness or the, the negative side, the mental illness component, you know, there, there, there are three major areas that, that we need to deal with. There's a social component to it. There's a moral component to it. And let's be honest, there's a huge financial component to all of this. And, and unfortunately, I can't remember the stats, but the amount of lost work days and lost production is a significant portion of the Canadian GDP. And, and you, we have to find a way around it. And, and you know, Natalie, when, when we look at this, I mean, sometimes you, 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 we look at some of this and people look at it and go, oh, you're only being nice. You're only addressing this because there's a financial impact to it. But I think you have to, we have to create the environment that allows kind of that trickle-down effect uh, from what's there. Uh, you know, from, from your, you've been with us now for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how would you how would you compare the openness on some of these uh, the issues that you see with us to where you may have been before? Um, well, I did notice. I mean, coming into FL, there's always like an adjustment to understanding different characters, understanding how management works, and I I do remember the first thing was I was so openly welcomed by my own team in HR, and um, just an amazing group. Uh, of women that are, have so much expertise and just oh, welcomed me really with open arms and they really guided me as to oh how is this and how is that at FL and I was a little bit it, uh, taken back by the openness of management at FL I mean I remember the first time that I met Mike you know I was a little bit nervous I think that most people are a little bit nervous when meeting with um, with the managing partner but uh, Alita had told me, oh, that's how Mike is. And, oh, you're going to love Mike. And you're going to love this person and that person. And and it was just, it felt like family very so let, quickly. Yeah. Let's talk about goal setting. We have the safety committee in place out of small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're looking at, they're prob- probably asking uh, opinions from employees. Uh, what are some basic goals to start with? You know, what, what, could, uh, what could a safety committee, a uh, wellness committee, um, expect employees to do in the in the next month or so after you set those goals? Um, well, so goals to set for health and wellness. Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage people to incorporate health and wellness in everyday life. Uh, so one thing that the committee did put forward, uh, was the Spartan challenge. Last year we did several distance challenges. So it was just about incorporating a healthy lifestyle into your day to day life. So it's just an app where the, the company does all sign up and we work together to gain points and then eventually make, um, uh, you could win a prize for charitable donation. So this was one way of showing people to incorporate um, health and wellness on a day-to-day basis into their everyday life. Uh, so it is proven also that exercise and everything does help with, uh, you know, the mental health, uh, well, overall wellness. So uh, this does encourage the uh, the team members to get involved on that level. Uh, but there are a lot of little initiatives that we do on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it, I guess it's a hard question to answer yeah. because ultimately at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're trying to create an ambiance. You're trying to create a culture. Mm. Uh, and uh, we all know that the culture is going to drive uh, you know, drive where things go. But I think if you look at it from the very concrete side of the, of the, the, the uh, HR component, 
between trying to help people set goals, between trying to, uh, I mean, this year we've once again changed our compens- our uh, evaluation process because it wasn't up to speed. It wasn't dealing with, uh, you know, those areas. So when and when Natalie's sitting down to address those topics, you got to take into a fa- take into account all the many issues uh, that that are, that are going on. And you know, the hardest part with 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 HR is you know it cannot revolve around the one or two or three people in HR. It's got to revolve. Mm-hmm. As Stuart was saying, it's got to start at the top, and you got to find a way to get the organization to have a culture that is. Oh well, I'm going to leave it to Natalie because that's her job in HR. <laughs> well, we all know how well that works when there's 110 people and one person is trying to to change. So I guess it has to be a emphasis on, on collaboration and sort of listening to your employees mm-hmm. and having them take the lead? Um, we use a lot of surveys, Office Vibe. Uh, we send out SurveyMonkey. We want, we want to know what people want. We want to know what's going to make people feel better. Uh, what are people interested in seeing? We always offer the – I know in orientation I always tell people, oh, we have these kind of trainings. We do these kind of seminars. If you have ideas, feel, forward to, uh, feel free to bring them forward, and we try to incorporate that. And I think that people enjoy even having uh, that amount of input in what we're bringing forward to everyone. The last thing you can't forget is you're still running a business, hmm. right? So you've got to be able to take uh, everything and balance it out and throw it into the hopper and still come out ahead. Otherwise, uh, as much as you want to be uh, socially and morally responsible, if you don't have the financial success, you don't have an organization to, to deal with the other two issues. Okay, let's now turn to Claire and Stuart, uh, the Websters, and ask them for their one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. Uh, Claire, do you want to go first? Sure. I would say, um, you know, as when you start a, when you start your business, there's all kinds of opportunities that come your way or you're seeking opportunities through networking and all this and everything looks like a good opportunity in order to help you grow or earn money or whatever. And what I've come to learn in my 30 years of, of working experience is that I really allow, align myself with people uh, or projects that have the same commitment that I do, show the same passion. And I've, I've learned to really set boundaries and not and really not just take everything that comes up to me because it really has to do with my reputation what i'm you know because there's always people as you become more successful want to want to piggyback on you so i've really really learned to just align myself with people who have the same objectives and values as that i do great and stuart and mine would be uh since we're on the health and wellness topic would be um to any entrepreneur out there who's starting a business or has just started one um or is working through one i would say um to deeply care about your employees um, as a human being, not as one of your employees, but as a human being. And um, if you can do that, you're going to create a high level of trust in your organization. And when you have um, a place where you know you're cared for and there's a high level of trust, and if you can layer on top of that a higher purpose, a deeper why, um, you do what you do, um, people will come to work for you and give you everything they've got and the business will thrive. So um, I would start at the the, the, the root all right, Claire Webster of Caregiver Crosswalk and Stuart Webster of Uplifted Life. Thank you mo- both so much for joining us this evening. It's thank been a you. pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks to Natalie Picard of, uh, of FL as well on her HR tips. And thanks for stopping by and filling in for Josh, Michael. It's always a pleasure, Dan. You'll get Josh back uh, next time. And in the meantime, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. In two weeks, we're off next week for Victoria Day, uh, but in two weeks, we'll speak with uh, Frederick Roy of Paramedic Canada. Speaking of healthcare, they actually make uh, healthcare products. So we'll talk about that in two weeks. We'll see you then.